0: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi Ilah, Ilah, All distinguished guests, peace and blessing of Allah be upon you all. There is no doubt that we are passing through extremely precarious and turbulent times. If we take <coughs> even a cursory glance At today's world, in almost every direction we are witnessing increasing conflict, hostility and restlessness. Whilst much of the world seems to have reached the definitive conclusion that Islam is to blame for the volatile state of the world, I do not think it is accurate to say that Muslims alone are stalking the flames of disorder that are burning across the world. Nonetheless, it is a cause of deep sorrow that some so-called Muslims and Muslim groups have persistently eroded the world's peace and have heightened tensions and fears amongst non-Muslim communities by spreading hatred and undertaking the most heinous atrocities. <clears throat> Certainly, I personally have no hesitation in accepting the fact that such Muslims have played a very significant role in fueling disorder and sparking division within society. A major cause of this has been the, f- the fact that extremist Muslims groups or clerics have preyed upon vulnerable Muslims and rather than guiding and helping these frustrated and misguided people, they have poisoned their minds with extremism and radical- radical, uh, radicalized them. Tragically, some have been brainwashed to such an extent that they have carried out horrific terrorist atrocities. Whilst others who may not have conducted attacks share a similar wicked ideology. In a similar way, we have long seen that Some uh, uh, Muslim governments are mistreating their people and have inflicted untold cruelties and injustices upon them which has bred division and led to uprising and bloody civil wars. Nevertheless, let it be crystal clear that No matter what the extremists claim, all terrorist and extremist acts, whether conducted by groups or by radicalized individuals, both in the Western world and in the Muslim countries, run entirely contrary to the true teachings of Islam. Without a shadow of doubt, Islam's teachings are a guarantor for peace and security for all mankind. Its teachings are rooted in compassion, mercy, and humanity. humanity. And it is these true Islamic values that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has endlessly emphasized and endeavored to spread across the world for more than 125 years. Hence let me say again that under no circumstances does Islam permit any form of cruelty, injustice or wrongdoing. From the very outset, Islam's teachings are those that seek to unite mankind rather than to drive a wedge of wedge between the people of different communities. Indeed, the very first chapter of the Holy Quran, which Muslims believe to be the word the word of God, revealed to the founder of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him states that Allah the Almighty is the Lord of all the world. As such, Allah the Almighty is the God not only of Muslims, but is the God of Christians, Jews, and the people of all faiths, and indeed the people who hold no faith, and do not even believe in His existence. Thus, Allah is the ultimate provider and sustainer for all of the mankind and he has showered his grace and mercy upon all people, no matter their caste, creed, or color. The Arabic word used in Quran, they are Rabbul uh, Alami, wherein Allah the Almighty has used the word Alam which has been translated into English as words. However, no translation can reflect the true scope of the word, the, the word uh, alam, which is incredibly vast and far-reaching. By using this word, Allah the Almighty has made it clear that he is not just the provider and sustainer for people of certain religions or for particular eras. Rather, he is creator and nourisher of the people of all nations, of all beliefs and for all times. Thus, uh, these words are filled with unparalleled beauty and great wisdom, wherein they have enshrined the sanctity of the principle of universal equality and made it clear that there is no place in the world for any form of racial or national superiority. These words make it clear that Allah's blessings and favors are not limited to any particular race or ethnicity but are bestowed indiscriminately. Whilst these are Islam's true teachings, it is a cause of regret that racism and bigotry remains prevalent in the world. Indeed, amongst the very people, who allege that Islam discriminates against non-Muslims are individuals who themselves are guilty of what they falsely charge Islam with. For example, recently an American politician stated that white people had contributed far more to to human civilization than other races, such as black people or Asians. While it was also reported that another senior American policymaker has stated his belief that white people were genetically superior to others. Such extremist views can only fuel resentment and despair amongst the people of other races and ethnicities. In complete contrast, Islam proclaims that all people are born equal, no matter where they hail from, or the color of their skin. It teaches that no race is superior to another, nor are the people of any particular descent more gifted than others, and that Allah is the provider for all of mankind whilst it is true that how far a person progress in life is dependent upon his surroundings and his personal effort. The basic faculties granted to mankind remain the same and are not defined by geography or race. Indeed, over 1,400 years ago, in what came to be known as the farewell sermon offered after his final Hajj, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah upon him, addressed this very subject as he gave a momentous speech that laid the foundations for world peace in words that are as timeless as they were enlightened. He proclaimed that all people were born equal and that a white person was not superior to a black and nor was a black person superior to a white. Similarly, he said that an Arab could not claim superiority over a non-Arab and nor could a non-Arab claim superiority over an Arab. Brandishing an <coughs> eternal torch, illuminating the path towards universal human rights, the, hu- the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, pronounced that all human beings were born equal and had the same rights. Certainly, As we now live in a time when Islam is uh, so misunderstood, it is very important to reiterate this enlightened principle that proves that Islam is against all forms of discrimination and prejudice. It is not only in our physical and uh, mental attributes, that Allah has made us equal, but we believe that for the sake of our spiritual well-being and development, Allah has also provided the means of salvation and guidance to all prophets of the world, uh, all peoples of the world. In religious terms, Islam says that prophets have been sent by God Almighty to all nations and Muslims are commanded respect and honor them all. Thus we hold the founders of all religions in great esteem and can never contemplate speaking against any of them. Indeed true Muslims will refrain from speaking ill about any prophet or saintly figure, even as those who are against Islam choose to mock curse and vilify the Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. No doubt, when we hear others unjustly malign our beloved Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, it causes us intense distress and grievous, grievously wounds our hearts. Yet, we will never react by disrespecting the prophets, or saintly figures of other religions and beliefs. In the face of hate and adversity, it is our faith which compels us to respond with love and manifest peace at all times. Indeed, Islam does not just say that Muslims should not speak against other religions or prophets. Rather, it goes so far as to say in chapter 6, verse 109 of the Holy Quran, that Muslims should not even speak against the idols, idols worshiped by idolaters, because it could provoke them out of their ignorance. To them, to then curse God Almighty. And certainly, this would offend and injure the sentiments of Muslims. Consequently, rather than permit a cycle of perpetual hatred, leading invariably to hostilities and conflict, the Quran calls on Muslims to show patience and to take the higher moral grounds at all times. Furthermore, chapter 3 verse 65 of the Holy Quran lays the foundation for religious tolerance amongst the people of all faiths and beliefs where it states that religious people and especially the people of the book should join together and unite over their collective belief in the existence of God. Thus the Quran calls on mankind to look for common grounds and to set aside any differences that may exist. Here, the Quran also states that whilst it is up to non-Muslims to decide whether they wish to follow this injunction, Muslims are duty-bound, no matter what, to open their hearts and to respect the beliefs of others. Another allegation often levelled at Islam is that and it permits compulsion and aggression in order to force people to accept Islam. Nothing could be further from the truth. Instead, in chapter 2 verse 257, the Holy Quran has unconditionally declared there should be no compulsion in matters of religion or belief. Whilst Islam claims that the Holy Quran is a universal and complete teaching, an inherent feature of it is that religion is a matter of one's heart and so no form of pressure can ever be used to coerce people into accepting it. Further chapter 18 uh, chapter 10 verse 100 of the Holy Quran states that whilst Allah the Almighty had the power to compel mankind to accept Islam he permitted free will and He desired for people to choose their own path independently and free from any form of duress. Thus, the one God who we worship is not cruel, or nor does He demand that all mankind turn to Him. Rather, He is that supreme being who has stipulated that everyone is free to believe whatever they desire. This does not mean that Muslims should not preach their religion. On the contrary, Allah the Almighty has instructed Muslims to convey the message of Islam to others. But such preaching must be done peacefully and with a spirit of tolerance and mutual respect. Accordingly, in chapter 18, verse 30 of the Holy Quran, it states that it is the task of Muslims to inform mankind that Islam is a truth from God Almighty, and whoso wishes to accept or deny, it is free to do so. It is with this spirit that we strive to peacefully propagate the true teaching of Islam and to invite mankind towards the recognition of God Almighty. We seek to win people's hearts and minds through kindness and compassion. Further, chapter 10 verse 26 of the Holy Quran states that, that and Allah calls to the, to the abode of peace whilst reinforcing the point that all people are free to accept or reject the teaching of Islam, this verse also points out that Allah invites mankind towards peace and security. Hence, when Allah calls mankind to the abode of peace, it is imperative that Muslims personally exhibit peace and are the means of security for all humanity. Thus, I have quoted a number of passages of the Holy Quran that entirely refute the notion that Islam, God forbid, is a religion that seizes the rights of non-Muslims or is a means of destroying the peace and well-being of society. Leading on from this, chapter 28, verse 58 of the Quran manifests The fact that true Islam has always been propagated peacefully and this is not something new that we are claiming. The verse refers to those people who received Islam's message during the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, but chose to reject it. It states that their objectives were material rather than spiritual and so, they themselves admitted that the reason they did not accept Islam was because they feared they would be <coughs> they would be banished from their lands and boycotted by their own people. They were fearful not of the Muslims, as they had witnessed Islam's benevolent teachings firsthand. Rather, they were consumed by the fear of their own rulers and people. This attests to the fact that the founder of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him and his companions, sought sought only to convey the message of Islam peacefully and never resorted to save any form of aggression or intimidation in order to spread their faith. It proves that Islam taught and practiced by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, was not an extremist or violent teaching and that the non-Muslims were free to reject its teachings without any fear of retribution. If they were fearful of anyone, it was their own non Muslim li- leaders and tribes who could not tolerate them accepting Islam's teachings of peace. Furthermore, let me share with you the unparalleled example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, at the time of the victory of Mecca. Makkah. Makkah was the hometown of the Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. But following his claim of being a prophet, he and his followers were subjected to 13 years of merciless persecution and injustice from their own people. Muslims were killed, plundered and tortured. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, was himself attacked as were his loved ones and ultimately they were driven out of their homes and had to migrate. <clears throat> Yet, when he returned victoriously to Mecca and the entire city of was under his command, his first pronouncement was that no revenge would be taken from those who had brutally persecuted the Muslims in years gone by. At that moment of glorious triumph, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, exhibited supreme humility and forbearance by declaring that in accordance with Islam's peaceful teachings, all those who had tormented the Muslims were to be instantly forgiven. In light of all that, I have uh, presented, it is my ardent hope and prayer that instead of making rash judgments and branding Islam as a religion of violence and cruelty based upon hearsay, people use their intelligence, look at the facts, and reflect honestly upon what Islam represents. Only when will they appreciate for themselves that the hateful acts conducted in Islam's name in recent years have nothing to do with its original teachings. It is quite unfair to blame Islam or any other religion for the sins of those who act against the original teachings of their religion. For example, most of the weapons being produced in the world today are made in countries that are predominantly Christian and such weapons are being used to kill and maim innocent people in different parts of the world and are fueling brutal conflicts. Does this mean that Christianity is inherently evil and to blame for the world's horrific arms race? Of course not. Moving on, I mentioned at the outset that I do not believe it is only Muslims who are contributing to the disorder prevalent in the world. And so, permit me just elaborate upon this a little further. We are all well aware of the horrifying consequences of the two world wars that took place during the 20th century, where millions and millions of people were killed and the lives of countless others were destroyed. Those world wars proved to be a dark stain in the world's history. And yet it is source of deep regret that the world has not learned from its past mistakes and instead mankind is again sinking ever deeper into a terrifying abyss. Rather than striving for peace through dialogue, understanding and mutual respect, world powers have sought peace through uh, intimidation and fear by developing weapons with the potential for destroying the world, many times over. In spite of being witness to the unprecedented torment and utter devastation caused by America's use of nuclear weapons, against Japan during World War II, a number of countries, including America, have continued to develop ever more powerful atomic weapons without pause for thought to the chilling consequences. Of the nine countries that have acquired nuclear weapons, only one, Pakistan, is a Muslim nation. Hence, it cannot be said that the Muslims world is the center of these deadly weapons that constitute the greatest threat to the well-being of mankind. Furthermore, and as I said earlier, the vast majority of weapons present in Muslim countries have been produced in the non-Muslim world. Naturally, the question arises as to why, on one hand, non-Muslim nations are calling for peace in the Muslim world, but on the other hand are fueling the very war and conflicts that they condemn, whilst occasionally there have been positive measures or policies taken by certain governments or institutions that have had had the potential for good, sadly such politicians have been drowned out. Instead, the defining characteristic of the world's efforts to ensure peace over the past 70 or more years has been intimidation and scare tactics. Whereby, nations have sought peace through the development of ever more deadly weapons. No matter what is claimed, the truth is that such mayors cannot bring about long-lasting peace and there is every chance that one day someone will press the button unleashing the uh, 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 carnage and misery like the world has never seen before. Thus, rather than peace-building through the so-called deterrent model, we Ahmadi Muslims believe that there is only one path leading towards lasting peace and that is the path of God Almighty. The time has come for mankind to recognize its creator and to accept that God Almighty is indeed the Lord of all the worlds who sustains us, provides for us and is our ultimate creator. In return, for his endless favors upon us. It is not his right that we turn to him, bow down before him, and seek his uh, nearness. As long as the world continues to prioritize material wealth and power, we will not see true peace in the world. Certainly, it is this overriding desire to usurp the rights of others for personal, uh, personal gain that has fueled the conflicts that have spread across the world. Very recently, a renowned elderly American politician stated that it would not be in the interest of the United States for the terrorist groups Daesh, group da- Daesh to be entirely eliminated from Syria. Rather, it would be beneficial to the West if some uh, lingering presence of this evil group remained. This is the type of logic that a wise and peaceful person can never comprehend or countenance. On the one hand, the Western world calls on Muslims, uh, Muslim nations to stop all forms of terrorism and to adopt peace. But on the other hand, there are elements amongst them who fear that peace in the Muslim world will diminish their own power and dominance. This is hypocritical, and such twisted ideologies can only serve to destabilize the world. Further, as I have already alluded to, Western countries and arms producers have a vested business interest in maintaining a degree of conflict in Muslim countries. Such one-eyed policies and selfish motivations are entirely regretful and can only prove a means of destroying the peace of the world. In stark contrast, Islam's teachings are those that seek to establish peace of every level of society and our, uh, and our religion has made it clear that the key to peace is true justice. Fairness and equity are the cornerstones to peace to the extent that Islam has said that a person or nation must be ready to testify against themselves in order to uphold the truth. And for justice to prevail. Thus, true presence, uh, true peace cannot be established, be it in a person's home, in a town or city, in a nation or at an international level, until there is justice. Moving on, in answer to those who ask why wars were fought in early Islam, let me briefly explain. In chapter 22, verse 40 and 41 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty gave permission to the early Muslims to fight a defensive war for the first time. However, those verses make it clear that permission was not granted so that Islam could dominate or conquer territory. Rather, Allah gave permission in order to quell disorder and cruelty and in order to forever enshrine the principle of universal freedom of belief. Thus, in verse 41, even before Muslims have been told to defend mosques, they have been instructed to protect churches, temples, synagogues, and the places of worship of all religions. Furthermore, chapter 2, verse 194 of the Holy Quran makes it clear that even where a defensive war is permitted, it must remain proportionate and its purpose is always to bring an end to cruelty, persecution and oppression. Once conditions have improved and people are able to live peacefully, then the war must be brought to an immediate halt. Furthermore, the verse states that during wars only the aggressors should be targeted or taken prisoner. And innocent people must be safeguarded and that there is no room for collateral damage as um, there's no room for collateral damage as what we tragically see in the wars for today wherever islam has sanctioned any type of force it is done in order to stop the hand of the oppressor and never as it means of conquest or aggression. The very notion of provoking others and inciting disorder is something that Islam takes extremely seriously. And that is why the Holy Quran says that such incitement which seeks to create and ferment hatred between people and nations and nation was an even greater crime than murder. The truth is that Islam's teachings are those that seek to bridge the differences that exist between people and to unite society under an umbrella of peace, love and harmony. Indeed, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, taught that true Muslim is is he from whose mouth and hands all other people are safe. Hence, to unnecessarily cause others any pain or grief, no matter of what scale is a sin and opposed to Islam. In conclusion, I reiterate that Islam's teachings are entirely peaceful and are a means of security for all people from all walks of life there is no need to fear true Islam and so I hope you will agree with me that those who brand Islam as a violent or intolerant religion are themselves guilty of a great injustice. With these words I thank you all for taking the time to attend our Jalsa Salana and to listen to what I have said I I have to, I have said now, may Allah bless you all, thank you very much. tradition at the end of the function we normally offer silent prayers so now I will offer silent prayers who those who wish to join me can join otherwise they can pray in their own way please silent prayer I mean,